Easy, big boy. <laughs> he made me hot too quick. Wasn't that awesome? Man, hallelujah, guys. That was absolute incredible. I was standing there, and all kind of things were going through my mind. I thought, all oh, those girls singing reminded me of Point of Grace. Any of you old people remember Point of Grace? And how awesome that was. That was absolutely beautiful. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin standing here singing. <laughs> right? Amen. This is amazing. And uh, man, isn't God just awesome? I mean, oh my, Howard. Hey, buddy. Oh my, I knew it was going to happen. I knew people were going to pop in and, and I wasn't going to be expected. And now I'm now I'm blushing and stuff because I'm just so happy. I just, as I was sitting there listening to that, and then that song, that Bethel song that you girls did, Hiawatha. You may not recognize, you may not see it as a Bethel song. That's how I see it. Uh, some girl, Haley Hagenthal or whatever, I can't say that name. I love that song so much. And as I was listening to that, I was just reminded, if I can get you to Remember anything from tonight, remember this. God loves you. You don't have to win him. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to persuade him. He loves you so very, very much. And when preachers get up here and get all passionate and fired up, and my kids used to say, man, Daddy, I love it when you get mad. You know, and, you know stomping and carrying on. It's, it's because we know not that we know more or any better, but we know the love of God. If I know anything, guys, it is the love and the grace and the patience and the mercy and the tenderness of God. And if you are keeping yourself from that, and I love you, then it's going to push my button. And, and I may scream and kick and stomp and jump and whatever, whatever might happen, but it's because I know what God wants for us and what he wants for you. And so, man, I'm glad you're here. Pat, you can't hide behind that mask. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, God bless you all for coming. So let's pray. Lord, just make this, make this place just thick with you. Lord, we want you to do what you want to do. You know more. You know better. You love us so much. You want to have your way in us. And Lord, bring us to a spot where we would want that too. And Lord, I, I needed you so desperately this morning. I need you just as much tonight. Lord, please let what's said be what you want said. Let let be done what you want done. Let the result be what you are wanting, what you are longing to happen in the hearts of people that you gave your son for because you love so much. And so, Jesus, help us to just, just feel you tonight and wallow in you and be saturated with you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. God, take this, take this broken, dingy cup and clean it up and fill it up and pour it out and, and let things happen in this room tonight that, that, like Jamie prayed, Lord, would not just change us for a, for a moment, but change us forever. 
that we'll, we'll make decisions tonight that'll change the rest of our lives, that we'll make decisions tomorrow that'll change the rest of our life. And Lord, just help this, this time together just be a catalyst for something amazing that you're going to do. And so, Lord, we just love you, we praise you, we bless you, we thank you, and we ask you to just have your own way here tonight. And we thank you that we can call on you and know that you hear us. And we do now in the name of Jesus, our King of kings and Lord of lords. And we praise you. Amen. So I'm impressed with Jamie's recall that he could remember the points from the sermon this morning. And I, and I hope you uh, will be able to hang on something that, that God said to you and that he will encourage you and challenge you. And so uh, what time did we start? 6.30? And I know Baptists. Baptists love an hour. You know, you can say what you want to, but I know what you like. And I know you like an hour. So I'm going to aim for 7.30. And if y'all pray hard enough, I might land it then. And if not, uh, Mickey, is that your wife or your daughter sitting next to you? That's, he talks about you in Africa. I got so sick of hearing about you. It was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that man loves you. He is crazy about you. He told me stuff about you that you probably wouldn't want him to tell me. But it was, it was amazing. So uh, we all are here. And like I said this morning, we've all got those high places in our lives. I'll tell you what else we all have. We all have wounds. I, I call it the, the three W's. We all have wounds and wants and weaknesses. And depending on how we're allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to work in those things and, and bring us to him and allow him to heal us in those areas of our life, what we do with those things and how they motivate us and move us into our life will have a tremendous impact. But we all have wounds and wants and weaknesses. And so I want you to tonight as you're listening and, and you think more about, you know, what's that, what's that place in my life that I have not really surrendered to God? That, that thing that I've, that I've grown so used to, I don't even know that I'm limping there anymore. And then, and then maybe think about, you know, what have you allowed your wounds and your wants and your weaknesses to do in your life and how have they changed you and weakened you and maybe pushed you in a direction that you shouldn't have gone or, or don't want to stay in. Uh, so that's kind of the backdrop for tonight. So tonight's sermon is entitled uh, Reset. We're going to go back to Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I have a really warped sense of humor. And so I am always straining to keep it in check and, you know, knowing what I can say and what I can't say and not embarrassing. So if y'all see me just get this little weird little smile, Gene, it's so good to see you. Uh, I don't know a lot of you, but there are, th there are those of you in this room that mean so much to me. Uh, I still have the letter you wrote me. Uh, I put it in a scrapbook. It's, uh, it means so much to me. Uh, Howard Carr is such uh, a special place in my memory. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for giving me a chance to see you. That's such a blessing. And, uh, and now I'm getting a baby. How cool is that? 
Oh, I thought she was bringing her to me. <laughs> I was a little happy and a little terrified at the same time. I was like, oh. So tonight I want to talk to you about something called reset. If you have an electronic device in your life, you have had to reset it, or you have had to uh, turn the power off and back on to maybe restore it to uh, factory settings. Anybody, you kind of, you know what I'm talking about? And so tonight we're going to talk for a few minutes about how to reset our life, how to, how to hold the control, alt, delete, you know, and uh, get us to a place where we can, we can restart it. And so that's kind of what revival is about. That's, that's kind of what we're doing when we're talking about revival or inspire or, or however you want to talk about it. We are talking about bringing ourselves back, like I talked about this morning, to some, some key fundamental things that must be true in our life. And tonight we're going to do the very same thing. We're just going to use different words and different verse uh, to talk about it. So we're going to talk about reestablishing the power in our life. If you uh, have been doing something at home, as I have on many occasions, and overload the circuit and the power will go off, and you have to find your way to the, to the panel where all the switches are, and you'll find the one that's really, it's just kind of halfway. It's not all the way off, and it's not all the way on, but it's powerless. It's not all the way off, and it's not all the way on, but the tragedy is that it's powerless. You can be not all the way off and not all the way on, and you can still be powerless. Is that where you are tonight? You are here we won't even talk about the heathens that were here this morning and didn't come back tonight. You know they're not, they don't have a snowball's chance, right? They're, they're going to hell. That's just no question about that. You can tell them I said so. I told you I had a warped sense of humor. But as we sit in here tonight, man, it, if you don't want to come back and hear these people sing, there's something wrong with you. I would have come back tonight just to hear the singing. It was absolutely spectacular. Y'all wound my clock tonight, and I am so grateful. It was so beautiful. But are you sitting here tonight, and, and you're here, and you look beautiful, you know, you think it's Easter Sunday night or whatever, and you're in here, and you're glad to be here, and you're sitting here, and I'm so glad you're here, but I want to ask you, are, do you just, are, are, you, are you halfway? Are you really are you really on? And, and so if you are not really off and not really on and sadly powerless, maybe tonight this is going to be the thing that takes you all the way and back on because that's kind of what has to happen. You have to take that, you have to take that breaker and you have to turn it back all the way off. You, you can't just push it back on. You've got to turn it all the way off and turn it all the way back on, and that's a reset. And what that means is that we come back to zero. We come back to that place going, okay, God, it's, there's nothing good about me. There's nothing in me that's good. I am, I am woefully undone. And so, God, I need you to restart. I need you to reset your grace in my life fresh and new so that I can walk with you. And so tonight, I'm praying and hoping that there's going to be a tremendous amount of reset in happening in our lives and we become everything that God has saved us to be. So let's, let's look at Acts 2.42. It reads like this. And they devoted 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is God's word. Uh, I know there are electronic issues or whatever because I just heard that buzz. Did y'all hear the buzz or is that just me? Uh, so if you've got your cell phone with you, if you would please set it to silent or to vibrate or to off. Uh, I would be so grateful because I have a hard time keeping my mind on what I'm doing and telephone ringings drive me like, wow, I don't even know where I am anymore. So not mad, just lost, just clueless, you know, so help us with that. 242, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. I realized this morning, on our way back to church tonight, Jamie uh, pointed out something that I'm reading from the, what's called the English Standard Version. My son, who's 34 years old, he's a worship pastor, he's cool and hip and all things amazing, and about 10 years ago, he convinced me to switch to the ESV, and so I did. And so this morning, I realized, he, he pointed out that there was a section that I read this morning, and in my Bible, it had Holy Spirit, in y'all's Bible, it didn't. And so I want to apologize for accusing y'all of not being able to read. You just have inferior translations of the Bible. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How, how can we reset? What does our biblical factory reset look like? Well, here it is. Here's number one. Reset means devoted to the teaching. Devoted to the teaching of the Word of God. Look at that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If we're going to be what God has saved us to be, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the individual that God wants us to be, we must have a passion for God's Word. Of course, we should love to hear it preached, no matter how good or poor or, or whatever the challenge is regarding the speaker. We should absolutely love God's Word, and we should spend time in it. We must read it. We must study it. God could have included so many details about the world, but He chose to focus on one profound theme, and that is salvation. And we must be committed to reading, believing, and living out the Word and the will of God in our lives. We must be devoted to it, meaning it is pushing us beyond our mood, beyond our particular feelings at the given moment, but we are devoted to it and we're driven to it. We do it when we feel like it. We do it when we don't feel like it. We do it because we know that it's the very best thing that can happen in our lives. We must read the Word of God. We must repent of our sin. We must reset our mind. The Bible says so much about how we must reset our mind. To favorite verses in the world are, are Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your only reasonable act of worship. That, that's my life verse. That's the verse God used. Uh, a pastor counseled me as I'm trying to figure out what God's wanting to do in my life. He said, listen, I want you to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I want you to read that. I want you to pray that. I want you to offer yourself to God, and he'll do that. And, and I did. And, and if there's a reason I'm standing here tonight, it's because God used him and used his word to challenge me and, and to train me and to, and to move me in that direction. And then the next verse is, all, is really so powerful and it's something that I'm still needing God to do in my life. And he says, 
And therefore, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so every one of us have really, as I believe it's Dr. Phil who says, stinking thinking. Is that, is that a line from Dr. Phil? We, we all have a lot of stinking thinking in our minds. And so the Word of God is always saying we need to reset our mind. We need to reprogram our minds. We need to begin to think new thoughts and think things that are in, in conjunction with the Word of God. And I want to tell you, there's only one way you can think the Word of God, is you must read the Word of God. Can I tell you that, that reading the Word of God is not a suggestion? Reading the Word of God is not a good idea. The reading of the Word of God is required if you are going to be a follower of Jesus. Listen to me. You cannot, you are, no way, you are not a follower of Jesus if you are not reading His Word. You are not a follower of Jesus Christ if you are not reading His Word, if you are not hanging on everything that His Holy Word says and the way that it speaks into our lives and teaches us and leads us and heals us and helps us. We must. Reading your Bible is not optional. It is required. Here's number two. The reset our fellowship. It's true none of us can be here all of the time. We need vacations, we have business travel, uh, many of you probably have all kind of swinging work schedules, all that kind of thing. Uh, but boys and girls, we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Church is so crucially important. If, if I've ever learned anything in this past year of COVID, it has been how absolutely important being together as a body of Christ is and how much I need other people. We need each other. We must be committed to to, to attending church. We must be committed to being a part of the body of believers. Remember, listen to Hebrews 10, 25, and, and all those people who, are, who didn't come back tonight, you, you show them this verse. Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another as all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews 10, 25. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other as a group. We need each other. And if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, if we're going to be the New Testament church that God wants us to be, we're going to reset ourselves regarding the Word of God and become very faithful students to the Word of God. And then we're going to make a priority out of being together. Not out of guilt, not out of legalism, but because we want to be. Do you realize there's something messed up when you don't want to be with the people you claim to love? When you don't want to be with the people that you claim to love, something's messed up. As the body of Christ, we are supposed to love each other. We're supposed to be each other's greatest fan, each other's greatest encouragement. And in fact, let me just give it to you this way. There are three things that as members of the body of Christ, as, as members of, of a congregation, there, there are three things that we bring to each other that we desperately need. The first one is gifting. Gifting. The Holy Spirit has given every person in this room a gift. If you are born again, let me get, this is great news. If you are born again, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. There's somebody in me and it ain't me, right? The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And he has something that he wants to use you to do that you couldn't do apart from him. It's not talent. It's not ability. 
It is something that he brings to you that looks like talent, that looks like ability, but it is a gifting that he brings to you and enables you to do something that otherwise you would not be able to do. I believe this is true. I, I believe I have other people who would affirm this is true. I love what I'm doing right now. I love speaking and teaching the Word of God. It is the most wonderful thing that I could ever do in my life. I am, and nobody's going to believe this. Jamie's not going to believe this. I am by nature a shy person. I know. I know. You don't believe that. But I would rather come into this room and sit on the back pew and not have to do anything, not have to speak to anybody, not have to engage with anybody, and just be alone. I love being alone. I love being alone. I am, I am by nature a shy person, and I am by nature scared to death to do things in front of people. I started singing a long time ago. I, I, I learned a song, uh, uh, I Won't Have to Worry Anymore was the name of it. Very first song, very first solo ever. Uh, down here, the burden's heavy, the road is rough and long. And that, those are, I can't believe I can remember any of the lyrics of that, but that was the opening lyrics. So I was going to sing that song, and I couldn't sing in the key was played in, and the girl who played the piano couldn't change keys, so I had to sing my very first solo a cappella. I promise you, I'm not kidding. When I was standing there singing, every, everything in me was moving except my head, and it was holding still, and I was able to, I was holding on to the end of the piano and just singing. I was scared to death. Absolutely scared to death. The only way that I can stand before you, stand before you here tonight is because the Holy Spirit has said, Ken, I've got something that I want you to do, and I'm going to enable you to do it. And though it is not in your natural gifting, it is not in your personality, I'm going to use you this way. If he gave me one, he gave you one. Because I am no better than you. If he gave me one, he gave you one. And it is up to you to discover it. And when you know what it is, it is your responsibility to use it. And we need you. Our church needs you. Every church needs its body, needs its members. And if we're going to be the church that God has saved us to be, if we're going to be the church that's going to make a difference in this wicked, hell-bound world that we live in, if we're going to become all that God saved us to be, us as the members are going to discover what our gifting is and we're going to realize that it's important, that it's valuable, and we must use it, we must bring it to the body, and we must make a difference in our lives. Everybody has a gifting. Here's the second thing. Uh, every, we bring a grace. We bring a grace to the body. We bring a grace to the body. I was uh, talking with Beth this morning. Uh, Beth's another person who's a blessing in my life. Uh, we, we've, uh, we met 30 years ago. We saw each other 10 years ago, and that's the, all the contact we've ever had. But when I see her, I think I'm looking at one of my best friends. It's, I don't, it's crazy, but it's just something the Holy Spirit did, and, and, and it's a grace. And we were talking about, and I was thinking about how many of you had driven the farthest, and I was going to think that I probably drove the furthest as anybody who come to church this morning because I came from just over 100 miles uh, from, from Monroe, North Carolina. And so as I was driving along over here, I was thinking about that, and I looked down at the speedometer on my old truck, and it says that I've driven 178,000 miles. And it occurred to me, I, I, I didn't travel 100 miles to get here. I've traveled 178,000 miles to get here. 
the sermon has taken 61 years to prepare. And I'm a very different man than I was when I was pastor at Mount Calvary. One, I've gotten a lot older. Amen, Steve? I've gotten a lot older. But I've been hurt. I've been hurting for such a long time. I've lost my mom. She was 58 years old when she died. My dad has died. All of my grandparents have died. I thought I knew what grief was. I've been a pastor for a very long time, uh, you know, like over 30 years. I've lost my mom, my dad, my grandparents. I lost my granddaddy when I was 19. Uh, he, was, he was the sun and the moon. I, I was sick and wept and mourned him. But even that, I thought I had grieved until we buried our first grandchild who was born 20 months into the pregnancy. She, she died 20 months in. She had some terrible things wrong with her and her body could not survive them. And so uh, my precious daughter-in-law just had to carry Finley until she died. And then she went to the hospital and gave birth to her. I thought I had grieved until I knelt down in the muddy, and it was pouring rain, and I melt, knelt down in the mud and reached down into that little hole that they had put that shoebox, and I laid my hand on that little box. I thought I had grieved until I did that. And so now when I come into a room, I come into a situation where people are mourning, I have no idea of what they are feeling, but I know what grief feels like. And I bring that grace. Our wounds are places of grace in our life. What connects us is not our perfection. What connects us is not the things we do right. What connects us are those things that have failed and hurt us and gone wrong and where we've learned some terrible lessons. That's what changes us, and that's where we get grace. And Paul said, you know, we will comfort others with the same comfort with which we have been comforted. And so what we bring to each other is a gifting, and we bring to each other a grace. We've been through things and I've suffered things and now I can suffer with you and I can weep with you and I can put my arm around you and know a little bit about the pain that is echoing in your heart and it strikes a rhythm in my heart and I may not know what you're feeling, but man, I know there is pain and we bring a grace to each other. We need each other. We bring a gifting, we bring a grace and then, and then we bring guidance. One of the most humbling things that happens to me is when, and he doesn't do anymore because he knows everything now, but he used to call me, Jamie used to call me and ask me questions. I'd made the mistakes before he did. I had learned, I had learned those hard lessons already. And so he would call me and talk to me and we would talk about how to do this or how to do that. Man, there are all kind of things in the body of Christ where these young people, good night, this I, I, what, it, I didn't know if it was babies or us or what up here tonight. It was unbelievable. Man, man, this church is about to explode. If y'all going to pray for something, pray for nursery workers. If y'all are not praying for nursery workers, man, tonight we're going to have a special laying on of hands and oil of anointing for nursery workers to fill this church because the, the, the bassinets are about to bust, right? We need each other to guide each other. And there are places, there's things Howard's been through that I haven't been through, and, and maybe I need his guidance. 
Maybe I, don't, maybe I don't know what it's like to deal with a wayward child, and, or maybe you don't know how to deal with a wayward child, and you can come to me and I go, listen, here's, here's how we prayed through this. Here's, here's how we carried our end of that yoke. Here's, here's how we carried our burden through that time when our child was living in sin and far from God. Here, here's how we carried that yoke when, when, when our child had, had doubled up on stupid pills and had found themselves in jail and, and were, were living through the consequences of the terrible decisions that they made. Here's, here's how we got through that time. Here's, here's, the, here's the grace that God gave me, and so I can guide you now through that. We need each other. The, the arrogance, the audacity, the apathy, whatever it is that causes people to think that they don't need to come and be with the body of believers is a clear indication that something is tragically wrong. Can I tease with you? I, I was teasing with you about the people who were here this morning and who aren't here tonight and how they're probably going to hell. I, I know that's not true. Uh, I, I met a young lady who had some obligations this afternoon. She just had some things she's had to take care of. God bless her. I'm, I'm pretty sure she's going to heaven when she does. You know. Here's what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart earlier today. I, I believe there's two legitimate, there's all kind, of, all kind of reasons, but on the, on the run of the mill, you know, 45 Sundays out of the year, there, there are two reasons why a person will not gather with the body of Christ. One is because they're out there serving and they're being Jesus somewhere. On any, on any given day, God would rather you be out in service to someone in the name of Jesus than sitting here doing nothing. Okay? There's only, two, there's only two reasons a person should miss church. One is because they are out serving. This, I, I, I misspoke. They shouldn't miss church. The only other reason a person misses church is sin. It's sin. It's sin. When I neglect the body of Christ, when I refuse to realize how much everyone needs what God has given me, when I forget that God might use me in that moment to be an encouragement to someone that I never know when we gather as the body of Christ, somebody might need my gifting, they might need my grace, or they might need my guidance. What would you call it? We don't have to be politically correct here. We can call it what it is. When we refuse to do what God calls us to do, it's sin. And so to reset, we're going to reset our, our love for the Word of God. We're going to reset our, our commitment to the fellowship. We're going, to, we're going to reset the breaking of bread and communion. I believe this is reference to communion, literal uh, blood, you know, bread and wine. And, and it's occurred to me, I, I love one thing that COVID has taught me is that, is that you can have communion if you want to. And we've discovered the prepackaged cups. Anybody, have you, have you discovered the prepackaged cups? I don't know how y'all do it. We throw them at the audience when they come. <laughs> no. we, we, have, we have boxes in the foyer and they just come by and they get them and they pick them up. And it's caused me to realize, you know what? We could have communion every Sunday if we wanted to. Jamie, don't, 
The great thing about preaching is I get to preach five, day, five times and then I'm gone and he gets to fix all the mess I've made. Don't, don't tell him I said this, but if you have a small group that gathers and you wanted to have communion, you can. This is not the only place you can have communion. This is not the only time you can have communion. Because when you choose to remember all that Christ has done for you, you are having communion. And we... And, and we can do that anywhere, anytime. It happened at a meal. They didn't call a service to have the Last Supper. They had supper. That's why we call it the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. They were having supper. And at the end of the meal, Jesus broke the bread and poured the wine and said, listen, here, from now on, I want you to remember this. And so communion should be a thing in our life. It should be a part of what we're doing. We should be celebrating and exalting Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, uh, God has therefore highly exalted him and given him a name above every name so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's our sole purpose for being. That's our sole purpose for existing is so that we are participating in exalting the name of Jesus and that's what communion does. Communion exalts the name of Jesus, and that's what we should be giving our lives to. The point of every song we sing, every sermon we preach, is to bring us into a personal awareness and appreciation of what Jesus has done for us. Individually and collectively, we must continuously reset our mind and our heart that we live in love relationship with the Lord Jesus who died and rose again for each of us. And we must cultivate that same love relationship with each other. Number four, prayer. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I believe there's a few of you who would, who would amen this. Prayer is where it happens. We must be people of prayer. You've been praying 2 Chronicles 7, 14 uh, for at least a week. And, and it goes like this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Jesus said in, in one of the situations the disciples had failed to deliver a, a someone from demon possession and, and they were struggling and they came to Jesus and Jesus said this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. How many of you would agree with me that prayer is the ultimate problem solver? Let's, let's go for audience participation, alright? If you believe that prayer is the ultimate problem solver. Do this with me. If you believe that prayer is when we enter into this, these holy moments with God and we are concentrating on Him and we're talking to Him and we're opening ourselves up to Him and we're inviting Him to speak to us and to challenge us and to communicate with us, man, I, I, think, I, I think we got 100%. It was close. Those, there were some who were asleep, so I'm not going to hold it against them. So let me ask you something. So if, if prayer is the ultimate problem solver, would you agree with me that the absence of prayer is the ultimate problem situation? 
I, I love that y'all have been praying. I love that y'all have been praying for me. It's, it's almost intimidating and, and humbling. It, it, it is intimidating. It's very humbling to think about that I'm, I'm coming up to speak, and y'all have been praying. Not the guy that was supposed to come, but the guy y'all put the sticker up. Uh, you, are, you are praying for it. And I know that's not true, but I'm, love, I'm having so much fun with that. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And I'm thinking, there is no way I'm going to be able to get up there and live up to the expectation. And so, so I'm praying, and you are praying, and, and we've been praying. But I, I believe if we're ever going to become the church that God wants us to be, if we're, going to, if we're going to do the reset, if we realize that our breaker is not on and it's not off, but it's tragically somewhere in the middle and powerless. It's kind of like Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. If we would realize where we are, and, and maybe the thing that we need to see tonight is the fact that we have been focusing on prayer for a little while, but for some of us, some of us, I'm, 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 I'm painting with a broad brush here, but Maybe, maybe what all of us need to do tonight is to reset ourselves to realizing that if prayer is the ultimate problem solver, the absence of prayer is the ultimate problem of sin in our life. If it is the ultimate problem solver, then the absence of it, absence of it in our lives is probably our greatest sin. And so tonight, as we're trying to get our minds around what God is going to do, we're going to, we're going to come to a place tonight and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to forgive us for how willingly we have neglected His Word. And we're going to repent of that. And we're going to, we're going to ask God to cultivate a love for His Word and we're going to read His Word and we're going to, we're going to ask Him to help grow that desire and that hunger and that work that only the Word of God can do in our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of us will pray tonight and we'll, we'll talk about the fact that, that, that we have not always been as faithful to coming to the body of Christ and not just being here and sitting in the pew, but bringing our gifting and bringing our grace and bringing our guidance that God could use us in the lives of other people. You know why I'm so familiar with wounds and wants and weaknesses? Because I am a wound, a want, and a weakness. That's all I am. I'm just a big bundle of wounds and wants and weaknesses. And so tonight, what we're going to do, we're going we're to repent, we're going to confess, we're going to go, God, forgive me for not loving your word. God, forgive me for not loving the people around me so much more than I have been. God, they need me. I need them. God, forgive me for the lack of love that I've had for the people that I call my brothers and sisters. God, thank you. Forgive me. Help me to repent of not remembering and celebrating all you are and all you've done and all you've been working in my life. And then you're going to pray the ultimate prayer of confession. Oh, God, forgive me. That I've made a prayer, a tag that I, that I put on the package of what I want to do. God, forgive me for using the name of Jesus like a magic potion or a coin for, a, for a, uh, uh, a vending machine. 
Instead of realizing that when we pray and we, we, we reach out for that name of Jesus, that's not just the tag we put on the end of the prayer. It is the mindset and the body of how we should be praying. So tonight, we're going to have a time of invitation, and you can, you can come get on your knees, on your face, on the altar. You can get on your knees in the pew. You can, you can do whatever God's telling you to do. These guys are going to be singing so that, so that uh, if you need to re- come to Jamie and talk to him or join the church. And then ultimately, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never prayed the prayer of, of calling out to him and surrendering your life to him and giving yourself to him, if you've never allowed him to heal or begin the healing of those wounds and wants and weaknesses in your life, Man, tonight's that time, that place that you can do that. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can call on you. I pray for those in this room who who don't know you as the loving Heavenly Father that you are. And they are in desperate need of, of being loved and being forgiven and being delivered. God, let tonight be the time and the place that they realize that you died for them, that you love them, that you rose from the dead, and that you are here, alive in this room, to make a difference in them. God, let some amazing things happen. Then, Lord, help us as the body of Christ to realize that we need to reset ourselves to loving your word, to loving each other, to celebrating all that you have done for us and being amazed by your love. But, Lord, most of all, the prayers, giving ourselves to seeking you, to turning from our wicked ways so that you could heal us. And oh God, that you could heal our church and you could heal our world. And we thank you and we praise you for these moments. And we seek you in your holy name, oh God. Amen.